Welcome to Conversations with Mayi Lenz. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me, but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean, leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for, and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. We are bilingual speakers and want to bring value to both the English and Spanish-speaking communities. Some shows will have a Spanish label when we have a Spanish-only speaking guest. Let's learn and grow together. Hello and welcome back to the show. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is Dr. Jessica Houston. She's a licensed social worker, college professor, and the owner of a personal and professional development training company, where she provides proven tools and strategies that you can begin implementing immediately. Dr. Houston has overcome poverty, depression, low self-confidence, and intimate partnered violence. For this reason, she is passionate about sharing how others can live an abundant and satisfying life despite any obstacle they may encounter. If you are struggling right now to meet your life, career, or business goals, this is an episode you won't want to miss. Some of the things discussed here might be stopping you from achieving them or starting altogether. Hello, Jessica. I'm so excited that you are here today and we can get to talk about goal setting and the never-ending cycle of research. But before we dive in, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. So as you mentioned, I'm Dr. Jessica Houston, founder of ExpectingVictory.com. I actually have two books. One is my first book, Women's Secrets, It's Time to Stop Suffering in Silence. And then my latest book is titled Profitable Conversations, How to Position Yourself for expansion. And so I never, ever, ever thought that <laughs> I would be where I am today, like earning a PhD, starting a business, writing books, all of that seems so far-fetched when I look at my start and my struggles and low self-confidence and rejection, disappointment. And I always say to myself that I am living proof that where you start has absolutely nothing to do with where you end up. I love it. Oh my goodness. Yes. Now let's talk about setting and achieving goals because they might seem easy, right? Write mm -hmm. them down and make it happen. And we get stuck in the goal setting process and what I call the never ending research. Mm -hmm. After you make the goals, you research and then you do more research of the same goal that you're trying to make happen, but you just don't take action. How can we master this? Because this is a skill that we can all learn and we can master. How can we do that? Yes. And I think a lot of times it comes down to either perfectionism 
mm-hmm. or fear. Those are the two reasons why if you set a goal that you don't actually begin the work required to make it happen. And so I go back to how bad do you want it? So for example, you know, I might say I want to lose 10 pounds, but I still want to eat cake. I want to <laughs> eat fried chicken. Like, and it's like, yeah, you saying you want it. And let's, let's be really honest with ourselves. I believe that self-honesty is really important when it comes to goal attainment, because you have to really call yourself out and say, okay, you're saying that you want to do this, but you're doing the exact opposite. And we'll tell ourselves, well, I don't have enough information. I don't have enough resources. But if you dig deep within, you know exactly. <laughs> you know right. what you should be doing. You, you know that you should be drinking water. You know that you should be getting enough sleep. If you're saying you want to write a book, you know that Yes, you have to research, but you also have to block off time to write. Right. And it comes down to self-discipline, which is a word that we don't really like. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what it comes down to. Of course, you know, you got to make sure that your goal is is realistic, that you set a time frame. So, for example, you shouldn't just say, I want to lose weight or I want to make $10,000 per month. Um, but you really want to be very, very specific of, of what you want to achieve, when you want to achieve it by. And then you've got to be specific with the steps. And I believe that that may be also a missing component is you write down what your goal is, but you never write down, okay, so in order to get here, what do I need to do? What do I need to do every week? What do I need to do every month? What do I need to do every day? And I found that daily goals help me the most because I'm able to, when I wake up in the morning, I'm able to say, okay, these are the three things that I absolutely must accomplish. And I believe that your goal has to be urgent. And I I hope I didn't go go on and on and on, but your goal (laughs) has to be urgent. It can't just be, oh, well, one day I want to make this amount of money or one day I want to achieve. No, it needs to be like, this is something that I am committed to doing. So you have to commit to yourself that this is what I want to achieve. And I'm going to take the necessary steps to make that happen. It's, it's um, looking at the big picture and then breaking down in yes. little steps, baby steps. Yes, yes, yes. Because I, I think that's where we go wrong sometimes that we look at the big picture and it looks so big because mm-hmm. our goal is so huge that um, it's like, okay, I want to be a millionaire. But I work, let's say, at a McDonald's or, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll never get there. You probably will get there. It's just that you're going to break down your goals into little daily goals, like you were saying. Yes. And I think, too, that, again, we have to be realistic, not saying that you will not become a millionaire, but right. how many people actually become a millionaire within one year? I know I had this outrageous goal when I started my first year of business, and I was like really sad <laughs> because I'm like, I thought that, you know, someone told me you can manifest it, you can say it and write it down and do a vision board. I did all of those things, <laughs> and it did not happen. And so sometimes you just got to get a reality check. Yes, I would love to be a millionaire, but maybe I need to set a, a three to five year plan and not expect 
to just put my website out up and people are going to come and flood my website and make purchases. You have to actually have a marketing strategy. And so sometimes we set unrealistic goals. We give ourselves these unrealistic expectations. And listen, I, my hand is raised because I'm an achiever and I do this all the time and I have to go back right. and it's too much. What, what can you accomplish now? What, what action can you take now? And then once you get to six figures, then say, hey, now I want to go to 250,000. Now I want to go to 500,000. Now I can go to a million. But there's so much mindset work that you have to do to even begin generating the type of income that you desire. Yes, that, that's what I was saying, that we make such a huge vision for ourselves and then we give up when it's like, it's too much. Do you think also that not measuring or tracking our progress also have to do with uh, giving up on our goals? Oh, definitely, definitely. Accountability is a, a major part of, of goal setting. You definitely want to hold yourself accountable. Um, a, a lot of times you'll hear people say that, hey, if you don't measure it, then you're not serious about it. Right. Um, I use the weight thing because I, I'm always saying, oh gosh, if I could just get these last five pounds off. And so sometimes <laughs> you're like, well, I, I want to get it off, but then I don't want to get on the scale because I, I said I was going to lose five, but I actually think I gained five. And it's the same thing if you think about, because I've been in debt, I've, I've been in poverty. And when I think about a period of time when I, I owe so much money on my credit cards, I did not, I did not want to hold myself accountable. I didn't want to look at the bills. I didn't want to look at how much interest I was kicking out. And when I finally sat down, I was like, wow, I'm kicking out hundreds of dollars per month, just in interest, not even tackling the debt. And so right. it's true that sometimes I think it goes back to fear. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to really, really know what my right now looks like, but, but I believe that the only way to get to where you really want to be, you have to do an honest assessment of where you are right now. Right. Be honest with yourself and accountability. Oh my goodness. Sometimes it's, um, we don't want to, like you said, we're avoiding something, right. And that could be, uh, debt or, um, the lack of a knowledge of a skill, um, that we don't, we don't have. What were some of your fears when you were starting out your business and how did you overcome those fears? Yeah. So really I had a fear of writing a book and my book actually turned into a business. I, I'm hmm. a very uh, reserved person as far as I didn't want to put myself out there. I didn't want to share my story, but I knew that it was something that I had to do. And so it's like, okay, well, first of all, who's going to even want to listen to me? Second of all, everyone thought my life was perfect. And if I put all of this in a book, then they'll really know who I am. But the book ended up being therapeutic for me. And then once my book was released, I realized, okay, you do have to market. And so it had to actually become a business. And that's when I actually invested in coaching. I invested in courses and attending conferences. And I believe that 
getting around other people who were fighting <laughs> the same battle mm -hmm. that I was fighting really, really helped me to move forward. And so I think if it was left up to me, I would have done it, but I definitely would have taken more time because I love to learn. I love to research and I could always be like, well, I'm just going to do a little bit more research. And so when it came right. to my, my book, it's like, I got to a point where I had read and reread and, and I said, you know what, this is it. <laughs> Let's just send it. And the same thing with my dissertation. And one of my professors said, a done dissertation is better than a perfect one, especially the perfect one in your head. And I'm like, you know what, that is so true. We can come up with all of these narratives in our minds about how it's going to turn out, or we might look like a fool, or I don't know enough. But the truth is that you know way more than you give yourself credit for, because sometimes we're so close to something that we're really good at that we just think, oh, well, everyone knows this. But no, <laughs> you are ahead of the curve in something. And that's the point that I really, really want to get across to your listeners. You might be afraid, but whatever it is, whether it's interior designing, or hair, or photography, or speaking, whatever it is, if you have that burning desire, if you have that skill set and you've had it for a long time, you've got to really just feel the fear and still take a step forward and make it happen. Right. Yeah, feel the fear and do it anyways. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, as human, we are afraid of the unknown. Yes. And yes. I think that's what stops us in the track, you know, of taking action. Yes, yes. You're afraid. Well, what if it does not work? Well, I would like to say to you, what if it does work? Right. And it's true what you said about, you know, all the stories that we put in our heads. Like mm -hmm. if a client doesn't call, maybe they were having some issues and there's like, maybe they, they don't like me or maybe I said something or maybe I, you know, like I have the wrong camera. <laughs> As a photographer, it's like, I don't have the latest tools. I don't have the latest gear. I don't have the lights that is <laughs> yes. that I'm supposed to have, you know, as a professional, you know, it's like, so we put all these stories in our heads. We do. Now, yes. So um, do you think, because uh, I want to know what separates women who success, successfully create breakthroughs with the ones that struggle and because of all these negative, you're right, right? The negative voices in our heads, when they come knocking on the door of successful women, how do they respond and how do they learn to welcome those thoughts and just slap the door back at them? So let's talk about body image, because I believe our perceptions of ourselves shape our minds and impact the way we think and act, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do you think... Uh, people sabotage their or slow down the growth because of poor uh, body image? Definitely. Yes. That was a struggle that I've had really, I would say since my teens and mm -hmm. me being a, a black woman in our com community, there's sometimes you know, light skin versus dark skin. We look at complexion. And so for me, with me having a darker complexion, 
I really did not like it. And I would just look in the mirror and, and totally tear myself apart. And, and while I may have dressed and appeared confident, I was not confident at all. And it did stop me and it did cause me to settle in the area of relationships. So even going beyond business or career, your confidence impacts every area of your life because it's really what are you saying to yourself about yourself? Mm. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And, and I stayed in an unhealthy relationship for six years. He was physically oh, wow. abusive. He cheated. He stalked me. All of these things. But in my mind, who else would want me? Because of the story I told myself about my appearance, about my body. And I was looking at the women on television and thinking, I don't look like that. And it wasn't until I embraced my uniqueness. It wasn't until I looked in the mirror and I'm like, you got it going on. <laughs> like I had to do that talk to myself. I had to get comfortable with my hips. Like I will never be a size six and I'm not going to try to get there. So I just, once I became comfortable with myself, that's when I, I saw more opportunities coming. And that's when I realized that I was literally holding myself back because of what I thought about myself and about what I was capable of accomplishing. Right. Wow. And I wish people can see your face right now because you are a gorgeous woman. <laughs> How can you think about yourself that way? <laughs> yes. A lot of people say that. And the truth is, it doesn't matter how beautiful others tell you you are, it, it has to come from within. Yes. Oh, yes. Y you said the key right there. Mm -hmm. The We have to fall in love with the person we see in the mirror, <laughs> with the person looking back at us, which is us. Yes. I love it. Um, what is your perception of beauty? Yes, I... I I believe that beauty is subjective. I don't believe that there is one definition of beauty because we are all created different hmm. and, and we're unique for a reason. I think if we were all supposed to look the same, we would have all come out the same culture, the same gender, everything. So we're, we're supposed to be unique, but I believe that Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So what do you define as beauty? And I would start with myself. So when I think of beauty, I'm thinking of the ocean. I'm thinking of peace and, and calm and happiness and joy. I'm not thinking about a particular look, if that makes sense. Because right. someone may think, tall is, is beautiful. Someone may think short is beautiful. So, you know, so you can't put yourself in a box. And I believe that that's where we go wrong. And it saddens me that society has placed beauty in a box. And I don't want to get on my soapbox with that, but society has placed beauty in a box. If you do not look like a supermodel, it's so mm -hmm. easy for you to believe that you're not beautiful when you are. And you have to embrace the beauty that you were born with. Oh my goodness. <laughs> embrace the beauty that you were born with. And 
And once you see it, other people will begin to see it. It's so funny when, yes. when I, I finally started stepping into my beauty and, and, and being confident in myself. My husband even noticed, he's like, something is different. I didn't tell him I was working on my confidence, but it, it, he saw the change. He saw that I, I started to dress differently. I had a little more pep in my step. I wanted to get my <laughs> hair done. And, and he's like, wow. And so I think that we put too much pressure on outsiders to tell us, us that we're beautiful. But it really, again, it, it should start with you first. And if other people agree with that, if other people say, you know what, you are beautiful, that's great. But it needs to start with you. Yes, change starts within. Now, you said you started working on your confidence. What were some of the things that, because people want to know what's the one thing, what is that one book, what is that one something that helped you break through and be confident, uh, more confident about yourself and how you stepped into your power? Yeah, so, so one thing was when I, when I became pregnant with my daughter, I knew that I did not want her to have that same belief about herself that I did. Mm. So I really started with doing affirmations and looking in the mirror and just telling myself that I'm beautiful. And then I started actually changing the way that I dress because one of the things that I did, and, and I was depressed as well, but I would just only wear like sweatpants. I would have on just shoes with holes in them. It, it didn't matter. I would just not really pay much attention to my appearance. And it was probably because of how I felt on the inside. But mm. I think once I began to dress up and you don't have to wear heels, like you could still look nice <laughs> without dressing <laughs> all the way up. But you know, I, I had to really start to dress up. And I found that when I dressed up, I felt more confident. There was something in me just going from just sweats, a t-shirt and sneakers to even just sandals and a skirt or a dress or a nice top with some jeans. I, I, I began to feel better. And then I started to actually help other people. And I was able to step out of my comfort zone. And that gave me confidence too, because I was earning that trust with myself, like, hey, you can do this. I was encouraging other people, talking to other people, teaching people things, and that really boosted my confidence. And so as I began to see other people feeling better about themselves after just having a quick conversation with me, or maybe I would give someone else a compliment, there are certain things that you can do to just make yourself feel better, but also make other people feel better. Yes. So those are just some of the things that I did. Oh, that's that's great. And and it's true, you know, when I find that my through my whole life, the way that I that it helped me to feel better to get out of, of that funk that we get into sometimes. <laughs> it's I, I will always talk to people. And when somebody says, Oh no, I can do this, I'm like, oh, Of course you can. Yes, you can do it. And I'm like, who am I talking to? Am I talking to them or am I talking to myself? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because, yes. you know, I get so excited talking to people and telling them that they can do it, that it's also helping me. It's like a therapy within a therapy. 
really is. It's just like gratitude. When yes. you to be grateful for what you already have, you begin to attract more. So it's the same thing with, with helping and encouraging others. Yes. And I think that's when people get uh, with the law of attraction, the more, the more you put out it, the more you get it. And it's that blessing, that gratitude that when we talk to God or uh, whoever people talk to, <laughs> um, it's like you get more blessings over blessings. When you said that you were depressed, were you like clinical depressed or is just a state of mind that you were in? I was definitely clinically depressed. I was Did you seek uh, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh no, I was going to say yes. I was I was cannot get out of the bed depressed or did not want to get out of the bed depressed. Wow. Did you seek outside help like a coach or, you know, a therapist, a psychiatrist? Or did you get any help at all? I did when I was in college, when I was depressed in college, I did mm. see a psychologist. Um, I saw a therapist, but then I think it just became a part of me. And I felt like that was just a part of my life. And so it was, you know, some days I would be okay and some days I wasn't. And so I just kind of latched on to that, unfortunately. And sometimes people think, well, maybe I'm just a sad person, but that's not, that's not the way that you're supposed to live life. And I would look at other people who were happy and I would think, wow, I wish I could be this way. And I also put on a lot. And so nobody knew that I was depressed because I was still encouraging people. If I, you know, I was still encouraging right. people. I would still have a smile on my face, but it was when it was just me in the mirror or just me in the shower or me in my car alone. It was during those times that I would just cry and just like wonder why, why am I here? And it wasn't again until I decided that this is, I'm not placed on this earth to just exist. I, I, I had to find a way, even if it was temporary happiness, but that's when I really began to try to figure out what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why am I so sad? And a lot of times there are things that have happened to us during childhood. There's trauma and grief mm -hmm. and loss that we, we just kind of try to push past it but the thing is, it's going to come out in some form. Yes. It's going to come out in some form. And so we think, oh, I'm okay. But it's so important that we, we take care of ourselves. And that, and you know, you're honest enough to say, I'm struggling. This is hard. And seek help because there's a lot of stigma around, you know, mental health. It's like we think back in the in the 50s, 70s, I don't know when people will seek help and it's because they were crazy. They were deemed, you know, crazy. This is a, a, a person that it's looking for a psychiatrist because there's something wrong with their heads. Yes, yes, yes. And sometimes depending on your culture or your beliefs, there is a stigma and people will, will look down upon you if you do opt to go out and get help. And I always say that. I actually am always encouraging people to, to not accept the fact that 
they are going to be that way all of the time because I don't know why, but it's kind of like you just feel like this is just my life. I'm just stuck. Depression is really about being hopeless. Right. That, that's what it comes down to. Just like my situation will never change, but it can change. But again, as you mentioned, once you decide that I'm going to get the help that I need, and sometimes it may just be, do you have somebody that you can just talk to? Oh my God, you took that right up out of my head. <laughs> you know, a lot of times they're thinking, well, oh, I don't want to, you know, sometimes you just want to get it out so that you can yes. move on. Wow. Yes. Now. I love this question and I can't wait to hear your answer this. <laughs> being unapologetically you to me means being true to who you are and what you believe in. In other words, not seeking approval to show up authentically in order to blend in, just like you were saying uh, before. Um, is there anything at this stage of your life that you are going to stop apologizing for or something that you stop apologizing for that helped you level up in your business? Oh gosh. Now this is something because of the way that I grew up, I was always taught to be humble and hmm. never promote yourself. And so when I earned my PhD, it took a year before I told anyone because I didn't want them to feel small. I didn't want them to feel like I thought I knew more than them because I'd earned a PhD. And I had to come to the realization that I've been through a lot. Like I earned this degree, I paid for this degree. And so I had to stop apologizing for my accomplishments. Wow. I have family members who you know, they, they, they grew up in poverty and they continued to repeat the cycle. I grew up in poverty, but I vowed that that's not the life that I desire to live. And so I, I made sure that I was able to pull out of that cycle, but I still felt bad for some reason. I felt bad about my accomplishments. I felt like I was leaving behind my friends and my family. But once I came to that realization that no, when you are able to grow and become better, you are better positioned to help others. Yes, definitely. And, and that's why when people stop taking action as well, because they don't want to leave their friends behind or their families behind. So we all play small. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And women, come on, you know, we <laughs> women have just been brainwashed. Like what most, I, I don't care what background a woman has. Most of them have heard the words, girls should be seen and not heard. Yes, we are changing that. Yes, <laughs> we, we have to. We, the world needs our genius and it's so weird. I believe that women struggle with imposter syndrome more so than men. It's like we can be like so good at what we do and we're like, oh yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> They'll see a position or a promotion and will not go for it because they feel like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. But someone with less skill, less credential, less experience, a male, 
he'd be like, oh, I know I can do this. I, I mean, <laughs> I have a younger brother like that. And it's like, wow, <laughs> he is so confident. So confident. And focus. Yes. <laughs> like when my husband says, I'm going to do one thing. And it's like he's, and I have like a gazillion ideas and I want to do them all. Yes. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You just want to do one thing. No, 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 no. We have this and this. I'm a dreamer. He's like, no, I'm going to do this. And this is when I'm done with this. That's it. We'll move on to the next one. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know if we can go into another topic, but something that you are very passionate about is teaching people how to speak in public. <laughs> can you can you just give us like a little sneak peek into <laughs> that? <laughs> Yes. So I actually, I have a, a course on that, um, on my website, but, but when I first started, I was so, so shy and I can remember standing with the microphone in my hand, the microphone was shaking and I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know if I could do this, but what I've discovered is that preparation will help you to be more confident in speaking. And so if you have a speaking engagement or you, if you have a situation where you've got to present in front of your colleagues or, or whatever organization you're a part of, I would say the most important thing for you to do is be prepared. Because even if you're nervous, but you're prepared, you'll feel better and you'll really be able to nail that talk. But, but if you just get up there and you're rambling and you're fumbling and you can't remember your points of what you want to say, that's when I think it really, really goes downhill. <laughs> so I would say prepare. So when I first started, I would go over my speech over and over and over from start to finish, from the intro to the middle to the end. And I also recommend that you never, ever write out everything you want to say and then just okay. read You've got to break it down into chunks, maybe words or note cards, but your audience wants to see your face. <laughs> they want you to engage them. And so if your head is down reading your entire speech, they may applaud you at the end, but you definitely did not engage them at all, at all. That is, and, and that is so true what you said, uh, because I remember when I, uh, I became a, a member of the Toastmasters Club, ah. and it's because I wanted to learn um, how to communicate better. Um, I, I always thought when I was little that I was going to be like a superstar, and the stage was going to be my best friend, and you know, the spotlight, and when I was working as the executive director for a nonprofit. Um, we will always go around. And all I have to say is, hi, I'm Mai. I'm the executive director. I'm here to help you. And my heart will just go like, I just wanted it to vomit all the words out of my mouth and start running. And I'm like, I couldn't understand why. And somebody told me, they gave me this stupid idea of picturing all the people in the audience in underwears. Oh, no. But there was a problem. They were all men. 
Oh. And there were old, old men. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I would go and I, it was my time to, you know, to say something or give a report, it was like I just started laughing because I just couldn't say a word. <laughs> Because I was like, who gave me this stupid idea? And they say, you know, just become a member of the Toastmaster. It took me 10 years to become a member of the Toastmasters. And now, you know, like, I, I love it because, and what you said is key, like preparation. I wasn't prepared. Like, I thought, you know, like, what? I love talking. That's easy. And I, when I gave my first speech, it was like, I couldn't remember anything. The second speech, I wrote everything down and I was trying to remember word for word. And I was just a total mess. So yes, you, what you said is so true about, you know, like being prepared and, and practice over and over. Yeah. Where can people connect with you? Where are you most active? Yes, so I am active on LinkedIn. You can find me under Dr. Jessica Houston. Also, I love Instagram now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you can find me at Dr. Jess Houston on Instagram. I have an account on Twitter um, and also Facebook, but I would say probably LinkedIn or Instagram. Oh my goodness, Jessica. This is um, such an amazing conversation and I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours, but I know you have a busy <laughs> schedule. So I just want to thank you so much for doing this, for all the knowledge that you share with, with us today. And I am so forever grateful for this opportunity. Thank you so much, Mari, for having me on. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell us what you think on social media. On Instagram and Twitter at Mayi Lens and on Facebook page Conversations with Mayi Lens. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.